Hello and welcome back to the Fantasy Playmakers. What's up guys? In today's video, I'm going to be running through some of the top waiver wire targets going into week seven of the NFL season. So I'm going to go through five players at each position. And these are going to be guys who are owned in 50% or fewer leagues. And I'm going to be using ESPN Fantasy to get those numbers. While you guys are watching this, if you're enjoying the content, please just do me a huge favor, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. Let me know your thoughts down below in the comment section. You can ask me any fantasy football related questions. I will be responding to every single person, but let's just get right into the running back position and keep in mind, these aren't in any specific order, but I do think the first guy I have here is probably the number one overall pickup, and that is going to be Alex Collins. He is owned in 46.6% of leagues, and he is going to be the RB1 for the Seahawks for at least two more weeks. We saw Chris Carson go on the IR, he can return after two weeks, but I don't think that is a given. You know, it looked like he was a game time decision. Then they put him on the IR, so he could miss an extended period of time. We really just don't know. But if you can add someone who's going to be the number one running back on a decent offense, then you've got to do that. So Alex Collins should probably be one of the top pickups this week. The next guy here is going to be Ramondre Stevenson from the Patriots. He is owned in 12.2% of leagues. And basically, this is how the season has gone for Ramondre Stevenson. He had a really nice preseason, had at least one huge breakaway run. So people were really excited to see him, you know, in the regular season, potentially be the backup to Damian Harris. He goes out week one, gets one carry, and I believe one target, and he fumbles. Then he does not see the field the next three weeks. You know, with Bill Belichick, if you fumble, you can go in the doghouse pretty quickly, even if you are the established workhorse. So doesn't touch the field from weeks two through four. Then he comes out week five, gets 11 carries, didn't do a lot with it, was pretty inefficient. Then week six, five carries, three targets, three receptions. He got a red zone carry and turned that into a touchdown. So it's very apparent that the Patriots do want to get him involved. And what I think is encouraging is that they gave him that receiving work that had been going to Brandon Bolden the last few weeks. He out-targeted and caught more passes than Brandon Bolden. Plus, he is a huge big body running back. So if he can start to get some of those red zone touches, I do think he's a solid pickup. And you know, if Damian Harris goes down with injury, it looks like Ramondre Stevenson would be the guy who steps in and kind of takes over that number one role. The third running back here is going to be Latavius Murray, owned in 45.9% of leagues. You know, at this point, it's kind of slim pickings here on the waiver wire for the running back position. I don't love Latavius Murray on a week-to-week basis, but so far this season, he's averaging 9.8 carries per game. You know, not a ton, but it's solid in this Ravens offense. And I think with Murray, you just got to play him if you are going to start him. It has to be in games where you really are expecting a heavy run game script from the Baltimore Ravens. We saw it today. They're going to go full on with a committee. We saw Murray, Freeman, and Le'Veon Bell all score touchdowns, and they all almost had identical carry numbers. So I do think Latavius Murray is probably the number one by like a very slim margin. But I mean, if it's going to be a game script where they're only given like 15 total carries to the running backs, you do not want Murray in your lineup. The next player here is going to be JD McKissick, owned in 46.1% of leagues. And so far this season, McKissick has just been a straight up boom or bust player. There's three weeks this season where he has scored under six points. And then the other three weeks, he has scored over 16. So there really hasn't been much safety 
or in between production for JD McKissick, which makes it very concerning playing him. But I do think, you know, maybe you can start to interpret which matchups he's going to be used a lot in. In games that the Washington football team are going to be down, he's the guy who's going to be the receiving back. So someone you could potentially plug in as a flex play, but it still seems to be very risky. And then the final running back here is Ronald Jones, owned in 38.2% of leagues. And this one was a tough call. You know, I could have gone with some other handcuffs, could have gone with a guy like Mark Ingram, but I ended up going with Ronald Jones. And I don't really have any hopes that he's going to overtake Leonard Fournette for the RB1. Fournette has actually surprisingly looked great in the last few weeks. Ronald Jones is the clear running back two on this team, but I do think he has a lot of high upside for a handcuff running back, and he's someone who receives work on a week-to-week basis. You know, a lot of these handcuffs barely even touch the ball, you know, when they're not the starter. Ronald Jones is going to be somewhere in that like four to six carry range a game, which isn't a lot, but you can have touchdown opportunities in there. He's going to get one or two targets a game, but if Leonard Fournette goes down, then Ronald Jones is definitely a startable player. So do I really love him on my team? No, but he's still going to make this list. Let's move on to the wide receivers. And I'm going to start it off with two players from the Arizona Cardinals. I talk about these Cardinals wide receivers every single week, but they still are not owned in as many leagues as they should be. First off, Christian Kirk here, owned in just over 25% of leagues. Then we have AJ Green, owned in just over 33% of leagues. So they're not even close to that 50% threshold. Maybe they will be after this week. This season, Christian Kirk has been averaging 13.5 points per game. That's PPR scoring. That is a player who should be owned in way more leagues. AJ Green averaging 12.2 points per game. Same thing for Green. Honestly, a kind of a crazy stat here with AJ. He has exactly six targets in five out of six games. So there is some consistency there. Overall, with these Cardinals wide receivers, you just want to be invested in this offense as a whole, and both of these guys have put together some really solid production. The next guy here is on this list every week as well, and that is Tim Patrick, owned in 40.4% of leagues, and he's just been very consistent, averaging 12.9 points per game. The third wide receiver here is one of my favorite young weapons. He was my number two wide receiver out of this most recent draft class behind Jamar Chase, and it is Rashad Bateman. He made his NFL debut in week six. He is owned in 14.3% of leagues. No, he didn't do anything crazy. Four receptions, 29 receiving yards. He was targeted six times, which actually was tied for the team lead. You had Mark Andrews, who also was targeted six times. That was more than Marquise Brown. So I do think there's some hope here that Rashad Bateman can be a very integral part of this offense. I think the Ravens' passing attack has been very underrated. This was also a very bad game script for the wide receivers because they were just able to run the ball a ton because they had a huge lead on the Chargers. But Marquise Brown, he's had some big games. He's also had some struggles with drops. He had another big drop here in week six. So if Rashad Bateman truly is as talented as I think he is, he should start to eat into some of that work and could be making a fantasy impact later on in the season. Fourth here, it's KJ Osborne. He's owned in under 10% of leagues, so it is very likely he is on the waiver wire. He's been targeted 5.8 times per game. That's very solid in this Minnesota Vikings offense. He had the game-winning touchdown for them here in week six, and on the season, he's averaging 11.7 points per game. So just another very solid guy. 
And then the fifth and final player here, Marquez Callaway, owned in 39.1% of leagues. Right now with this Saints wide receiver core, you have Deontay Harris dealing with a hamstring injury. We don't know what's going to happen with Traquan Smith or Michael Thomas. Are they going to be ready to play in week seven? Are they not? We just do not know. We haven't heard much about their returns. Obviously, it's possible they come back. But if they don't, Marquez Callaway has some high, high upside in the next few weeks. He's averaging 16 points per game the last three weeks. And the Saints just have an amazing future matchups for the wide receivers. I mean, they are going up against some weak, weak defenses. I think it's like the Seahawks, Buccaneers, you have the Titans in there, and then one other very weak defense for the next four weeks. So he's another player who could be worth a potential pickup. But now we are on to the quarterback position, starting it off with overliable Kirk Cousins, owned in 45.5% of leagues. Just a super safe guy if you want to plug into your lineup, averaging 20.7 points per game. He is on a bye week this week, so if you're not kind of using him as a long-term option, probably should wait to pick him up or just pass. Next guy here, Derek Carr, owned in 47.4% of leagues. Honestly, wasn't sure how this Raiders team was going to look, you know, with all the John Gruden stuff going on. Were they distracted throughout the week? You know, was this going to be a rough outing? Derek Carr played very well. On the season, he's averaging 18.8 points per game, so he's probably someone who's always going to be on that fringe of a potential streaming quarterback. The third guy here is going to be Trey Lance, owned in just under 25% of leagues. He is coming off the 49ers bye week, and he is dealing with an injury, so there's not even a guarantee that he is going to be the starter week seven. It could be Jimmy G. We just don't know, and honestly, Shanahan probably isn't going to give up any information anytime soon, but he has unmatched upside for a waiver wire quarterback. I feel like people are not as hyped on the Trey Lance fantasy train as they should be. He carried the ball 16 times in week five. That is absurd. For a quarterback to have that much rushing value, he needs to do so little in the passing game to put together a respectable performance. We've seen this with Jalen Hurts this season. He could go out there, have a miserable passing stat line, but he runs for 80 yards and a touchdown. It automatically saves his week. I think Trey Lance has that same sort of upside. So if you have a spot to kind of carry a second quarterback, I have him in a few leagues, and I think it is going to pay off. Then we have Matt Ryan here, another guy coming off a bye, owned in just under 30% of leagues, and he is going up against the Miami defense, which has been struggling recently. We saw Jacksonville play well against them. The Buccaneers absolutely torched them. Plus, this Falcons offense has started to figure some things out. Matt Ryan's averaging 25.3 points per game the last two weeks, so he's another potential stream here. And then the last quarterback, Sam Darnold, owned in 42.2% of leagues. You know, this game was just really ugly for the Panthers. Sam Darnold kind of ended up saving his performance with a late touchdown. Some of this was definitely on Darnold, but I mean, overall, his wide receivers let him down. I think Moore and Robbie Anderson combined for six drops. That's crazy, and that's not something that's going to happen, you know, anytime soon or ever again. He's still averaging 19.3 points per game. So kind of another one of these guys who's probably going to be a potential stream every single week. Now we are on to the tight end position. And the first guy I'm going to talk about is Zach Ertz. Just barely qualified here, owned in 48.4% of leagues. He went out, Dallas Goddard was on the COVID list, played pretty well against the Bucks on Thursday Night Football. Then we find out he is being traded to the Cardinals. He is now the clear number one on this team. 
He doesn't have to compete with another tight end for touches. Max Williams had some solid games for this Cardinals team, which does give me hope for Zach Ertz. Max Williams is out for the season, which does open up this opportunity now. This is a stacked offense, and he's going to have a lot of end zone opportunities. We've seen all these weapons have some big games, so he is definitely worth a potential pickup if you are struggling at the tight end position. The next guy here is going to be Dan Arnold, and he is owned in 6.9% of leagues. He's been on this Jaguars team for two weeks, and he has 13 targets in those two games. The Jags clearly want to get him involved, and I think he could continue to get more volume throughout the season. There's definitely some chemistry there with Trevor Lawrence, and they've only been together for a very short time. Then we actually have a guy who started this season as a backup tight end, and that is Ricky Seals-Jones, owned in 19.1% of leagues. And right now he's operating as the tight end one for the Washington football team with Logan Thomas out on IR. RSJ played really well in week five, 9.1 points, just didn't get into the end zone, so he didn't have that kind of huge game. Then he comes out in week six, puts up 15.8 points. So definitely someone who you could slot into your lineup with Logan Thomas out. Once Thomas comes back, then his value is going to fall off a ton. But right now, a potential play in week seven for sure. Then it's going to be Tyler Conklin. He's on this list every week. Always kind of a fringe guy. Owned in 17.8% of leagues. He's averaging 8.7 PPR points per game. That's nothing crazy. It's not fantastic. But if you're desperate, he's someone you could plug in as a stream. Maybe your tight end is on buy. And then the last player here, Someone I'm kind of a fan on in future seasons, it's Pat Fryermuth. We just saw him play on Sunday Night Football, was very involved. He's only owned in 3.1% of leagues. He does have a week seven bye, so maybe you want to wait to scoop him up. But he had seven receptions for 58 yards. If he can continue to get this kind of volume, he could be a solid play moving forward. I don't love Ebron there, and this could kind of just be a one-off, but definitely someone who has a fairly bright future in the NFL. I do want to mention one other player, and that is going to be OJ Howard. I would expect Gronk to be back for week seven, but if he's not, OJ Howard is definitely a streamable option. He played really well here in week six on Thursday Night Football, and he's the number one receiving tight end if Gronk is out. So just putting that out there as well. And now we are on to the defenses. And this is not a pretty week to stream defenses. I could only actually come up with four options, and I don't even feel confident with one or two of them. The first team here is going to be the 49ers, just barely qualified, owned in 49.9% of leagues. They're going up against the Colts. Colts have been solid, but this 49ers team does have a solid defense. So you're kind of just betting on the overall talent from the defense, not really you know the matchup. Then we have the Packers, owned in 47.7% of leagues going up against the Washington football team. This Washington football team kind of started off really nicely with Taylor Heineke. They've been floundering as of late, so I do think the Packers could be a solid play here. Then it's the Raiders, owned in 23% of leagues, going up against the Eagles. I actually have the Eagles here as well, owned in 2.2% of leagues, so both teams in this matchup. Honestly, do I love playing the Raiders or the Eagles? Not really, but those are the best options here. So not a fantastic week for the defensive streams. That is a strategy that I use. So I may have to kind of bite the bullet on this one, but that is going to wrap it up for this video. The top waiver wire targets going into week seven. If you guys enjoyed the content, please hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. Let me know your thoughts down below in the comment section. I'm going to be coming out with my buy low and sell high players. Those two videos coming out later today. So go check those out.
But thank you guys for stopping by and I'll see you next time.